Stan Lee's next comic book superhero. Welcome to what will become the adventure of a lifetime. Ron and Anian, for the last four or five months, she's been having this issue where it would intermittently go into a no-start. She'd turn the key, she'd have dash lights, and nothing would happen. The car doctor. The car's almost 14 years old. Doesn't have a lot of miles on it. I doubt the switch is worn out. I think Mama's arthritis is catching up to her. And she doesn't have the ability to bang, throw it into gear as hard as it once did. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Yesterday, when I was young, so many happy songs were waiting to be sung. Hey, welcome. So Start your engines. A tip of the hat to the great Roy Clark. And uh, Stanley in reverse order there, but uh, we we note their passing and uh, their accomplishments and their con- contributions to the world. And um, uh, sad to see them go, but it was a great time to have them while they were here. Ron and Annie in the car doctor at your at your at your <laughs> Ron and Annie in the car doctor at your. It's a new mouth, right? Uh, it's a new mouth. I tell you what, Tom, it was a it was a brutal week this week, and I just I don't know. I you know, j- wow, I just. Uh, you know, here in the Northeast, uh, for those of you that are, you know, on the West Coast or, or, or down there where snow is just something you laugh about, um, Thursday night was just an insane night, and I don't think I've recovered from it yet. We, um, I had I had class Wednesday night uh, about, um, uh, well, let me, let me, I'm going to read, uh, Tom, I'm going to read you the table of contents of this book, this class I went to. I'm All not right. saying it was cars. Tell me, what am I talking about repairing? The table of contents. Um, uh, chapter three is all about CAN, single and dual wire controlled area network, bias and, de- bias, bias and determination and termination. Um, section four is LIN, structure and purpose, scan tool, well, now I gave it away, scan tool and lab scope test. Mm-hmm. Am I fixing a car or am I fixing a radio station, Tom? Uh, actually, it sounds like you're fixing a computer network. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is a class, um, ATG, Automotive Training Group. Uh, put on a class vehicle network diagnostic strategies, and um, I went to get uh, uh, you know get schooled up on. As a matter of fact, one of my case studies, I had, oh gosh, I guess it's about seven eight months ago. I talked about the late model Chevy Silverado pickup truck that had the the it wouldn't shift out of gear and it had no dash display except the Prindle and Park Reverse Drive Neutral display. Um, it wouldn't communicate with the uh, vehicle modules, certain modules would, certain modules wouldn't, and it turned out to have a bad ground at the right front cylinder head, G103, ground 103, uh, was missing. It had been removed and located when the vehicle, remember that vehicle? That was back, that was like March, April. Well, I, I, I know the guys at ATG, and I was talking to them about it, and they liked the story so much about what happened. They actually wrote it. It's in the book. It's in, uh, it's in one of the chapters here somewhere. I, I came across it um, a, a while back, but, so I was supposed to do that. I did that Wednesday night. And we were supposed to do that Thursday night, and I looked at the road conditions, and uh, and I said, no, nah, I'm not going anywhere, because uh, it was in Woodbridge, New Jersey, which is central New Jersey. It would be It's the middle of the state, basically. Uh, I guess that's pretty much the middle of the state. 
um, of course, to a North Jersey and nothing exists past, you know, I think exit 152 maybe is about the, that's it. You know, oh, there's, there's, there's more New Jersey past 152 on the parkway. Nah, can't be. Um, but it was a great class while we were there, you know, and, and I couldn't help but think the first night that I was there, the things that I saw, you can see there was distinctly two types of, of, of technicians in the room, right? There were the older guys that have been doing this a long time, and I don't consider myself in this group. This is this is, you know, this was I was a I was an innocent bystander watching. Um, there were two guys there that I know that do mobile flashing, um, John and Keith, and uh, they've seen much more of this I think than anybody else in the room, myself included. And there were the newbies. There were the kids that were just out of trade school and. The, the kids were sitting there with their mouths open. Um, they were just like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? But you could see that some of them were really embracing the technology. And you can see that it's it's really going to become a technician's game going forward if it isn't already. Uh, you know, we there's going to be less of what I do and more of what this is going forward. You can see that. The mechanical side is just slowly being aced out. I stopped up at my guys up at Ramsey Nissan up here in uh, in Bergen County, and uh, what day was that? That was Thursday? That was, yeah, it was Thursday. Uh, no, actually, that was Wednesday afternoon. I take that back. That was Wednesday before class. And I was talking to Mike and Tim in service. We were uh, picking up some parts and going over things. And just, you know, just a five-minute gab fest about business. And, you know, are you guys busy? Yeah, we're a little quiet. And I said, you know, and again, I notice every time I go in there, I'm just floored that these young techs are just standing around playing on their phones while Tim, the master tech, and a couple of the other, you know, A techs, B techs are, are working. And nobody's at their elbow. Nobody's watching what's going on. Mike, the service manager, told me, he said, you know, it's hard. He said, these guys are all on hourly, and they get paid whether they learn something or not, and they uh, just some of them just don't see the value in trying to improve their lot. Um, and I said, so what are you, you know, what are you seeing in the way of repairs? And he said, well, tell me what you're seeing in the way of repairs. And I said, all right. I said, you know, in a typical week, you know, it's a couple of check engine lights, some, you know, it's, it's, it's some wiring issues. Uh, we're starting to see more network communication faults. We talked a little bit about class. You know, and then it's the basic stuff, air filters, cabin filters, uh, not as many trans services as there once was. And I said, what do you guys do? He says, well, he goes, usually it's an engine or a transmission, but it's under warranty because they're newer cars. I said, what happens if the engine goes on that car at 80,000, 90,000 miles? Oh, we throw that away. We just go buy a new car. You know, there's, there's, and he said, that's why, you know, you, you won't see us geared towards that older engine replacement will do it but we're not that's not our bread and butter because nobody's going to put the equivalent of six or seven thousand dollars in an eight nine year old nissan there's just there's just no point um you know and it's and and mark my words guys all right if if it's happening at the dealer level where they're not doing that at least here i'm not sure what the rest of the country is like but if it's happening here it's going to filter its way down to the to the rest of the industry as time goes by so between that conversation and uh, vehicle network diagnostic strategy seminar that I saw the other night with ATG. I, I've I've got to think that the, the beginning of the changeover, it's here. Uh, I think we're probably you know within the next two years it's going to be radically different the way we approach uh, repairing automobiles and what we repair, and it's going to be at the national level. I think the guys that I saw on the forum arguing about putting cylinder heads on the '96 Explorer with 160,000 miles on it uh, a year ago. 
that that vehicle is not going to exist anymore. It's going to be rusted away and gone, and there's going to be no support for it. And once you get into the newer vehicles, once more of the country is into the newer vehicles that are more and more electronic, there's going to be less mechanical repair. You're going to see a heck of a changeover um, uh, from my seat, from what I'm seeing. You're going to see a heck of a changeover in terms of how vehicles are repaired and what actually gets repaired and um, uh, changes in the industry about you know, who does what. Uh, there'll always be mechanics, but the the assault by the electronics is just relentless, and it's just increasing more and more every day. Well, Hello. you know, it's like that in many industries. When I started in this business so 41 years ago, it was tape. It was discrete transistors. If something broke, you fix it. Now everything's on, everything's on computer. You pull out your laptop to diagnose it. You pull out the circuit card, send it back to the factory, and they send you a new one. You slap it in, and you walk away. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know. It's, it's, it's very different. I wonder... And I was thinking the other day, when will they, you know, you can now download to cars. Ford has the ability on some of their vehicles that you can do software updates over the air. And you wonder when, when will it get to the stage? And I've got to think it's coming. I'm sure we're not anywhere near it for a while yet for a lot of issues legal among them. But you wonder when, hey, my car won't start because of this. When will it become like the Starship Enterprise, when we can bypass circuits and use other controllers on the vehicle and get the car to start, get the car to run, get the car back to a repair shop because one component failed and the backup redundancy will will move the vehicle along? And it might be a simple phone call to a diagnostic uh, center to say, hey, my car doesn't start. Dashlights are doing this. Okay, no no problem, Mr. Ananian. We'll just flip things around and make it do that. And you know, you know, Star Trek. Here we go. Um, I've I've got to think it's coming uh, because I'm telling you, you go through this book, and I, because I missed class Thursday night, the instructor, who's a friend of mine, said, "All right," he says, "Listen, I know you can do it." He says, "You got to read chapters three and four. I'm going to call you in two weeks and give you a test." Great. I would have rather driven through the blizzard than, uh, <laughs> than than have to put up with that nonsense. But uh, I'll do it. I'll, you know what? I've never backed down from a dare yet. But um, just the things that are in here, I. You know, I thought I was I thought I was reading a book on wiring a network at the shop when I put the computers in, but that's anyway. Lots going on in the next two hours. I am Ron Anning, the Car Doctor. We're going to talk a little bit about John Deere at some point. I um, received a listener letter about um, the right to repair comments, and I want to cover that. Um, I've got a caller online too, but before I do that, let me pull over, take the pause. We'll come back, and we'll go right to John in Long Island and the rest of the callers as um, as uh, we line things up and get going here at eight hundred. I'm sorry, eight five five eight hundred. My God, I haven't been an 800 number in... 800? Uh, yeah, well, it's been about seven years. Why do I remember the phone number from my other radio store? <sighs> Tom, I'm shot today. The, the, the first thing that goes, Ron. Yeah, I know, first Tom. First thing that goes. I know. <laughs> 855-560-9900. Running in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. It's the little old lady from Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Let's kick those garage doors open and go over to John in Long Island, 2010 Honda CRV. John, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. Thanks for hanging on. What can I do for you? John? Um, got a CRV. It's got um, 100,000 miles on it. Okay. Um, I'm not really having any issues. I was going to run Techron through, you know, this after the snow this Thursday. And my question is, should I replace the coil on plugs? Are, are you asking, should you replace the coils or the plugs? Um, uh, well, the coils, and, and uh, my understanding is now I've got, you're talking about things have changed. The last car I, I worked on had one coil. This, these have four. Okay. 
To change the coils like that, they're easy enough to get to, right? They're right up top. They're not, they're, they're, it's, it's not a lesson in contortionism to change these. I would think more along the lines of putting plugs in it at 100 grand, and that's a little early even. All right, look at how the business has changed. Those plugs are likely not due till a, a minimum of 105,000 and maybe not even till 120, as a guess off the top of my head. But my concern is that it's eight going on nine years old. It's a steel plug and an aluminum head. And I always worry about the two bonding together and how easily will they come out should we wait till the maximum length of time. So, you know, if we're having a, hey, Ron, I want to get my car ready for winter conversation, yeah, I'd put four spark plugs in it. I'd do some fuel system service like you're discussing. I would do a throttle body cleaning. Keep in mind that if you clean the throttle body on that car, all right, you know the procedure I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, John? Um, I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, yeah. Okay, you know, cleaning the throttle plate and the housing. The, 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 like, the right. fr- like the front door of your house builds up dirt and prevents it from closing properly in a, in a, in a high dirt area. Uh, so you have to kind of push on the door a little harder to get it to seat and lock. Uh, a throttle plate, which is the air intake, it's the, you know, the in- intake, um, as the engine breathes air, it draws it past this plate. The further you open the plate, the further you open the door, more air flows through, that type of thing. So right. carbon builds up a, a ridge around the plate itself. And it's, it's, it needs to be cleaned from time to time. And depending upon where you drive, how you drive, I think brand of fuel, um, how clean the air filter is, the quality of the air filter, there's a lot of things that, that affect it, will cause that throttle plate to be you know, dirty and stick and, 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 and do a bunch of things. Um, for example, a dirty throttle plate will change the angle of the plate, right? It's it's the door sits a little bit ajar because it's dirty. The throttle plate sits right. a little bit of a different angle because it's dirty. That will change throttle position sensor reading, so the computer sees that voltage reading. Uh, we had a car this week, a, a Nissan, as a matter of fact, that had to be reflashed. The software there was an update for it because as the throttle plate got dirty, it changed the angle of the throttle position sensor. But the onboard computer, the programming was a little cockeyed, and it saw the change in the throttle position sensor angle, um, saying, okay, well, the throttle plate's at this, then why isn't the airflow across the sensor that? And it set a code for a bad mass airflow sensor, and it was wrong. And I'm not saying your Honda you know, has any of this. I'm just examples of what can, go, what, what can be created by dirty throttle plates on some cars. In, in terms of a Honda or just about any other car out there, excess dirt on that throttle plate or any dirt on the throttle plate, like dirt on the front door of the house, it sticks. You know, it's, 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 it's packed in tight. It's wedged. Over time, that dirt will beat up the door frame and expand it. That dirt will beat up. That carbon will beat up the throttle body housing and expand it and cause the plate to have some alignment issues. So cleaning the throttle body is a normal occurrence. Uh, you know, you want to do that. However, on a Honda, and if anybody wants to see this, all you've got to do is get out a scan tool and go in under year, make, model, and look for the idle learn. Just like I said, idle, L-E-A-R-N, idle learn PID, uh, okay. parameter of data, and you'll see... And it'll say under learned, it'll be yes or no. All right. And what happens is you've got to go through or complete it. Um, it's one of the three. I forget exactly how they word it. But if you don't, if you haven't, if you've cleaned the throttle plate, you want to make sure that you go through the idle learn procedure, 
which the car can do on its own over time. It's a lot faster and more efficient and more likely to happen using a scan tool. There's a set procedure where you have to erase throttle body minimum settings. In other words, you clean it. Now the front door sits closed, right? Or the throttle plate sits closed in, a, in the old position. Throttle position angularity changes, and it's got to learn that all over again. And there's a procedure you have to go through. Not doing that on a Honda can cause the check engine light to come on P0505 or 507, one of the two, depends on the year, make, model, um, and you'll get a check engine light. So okay. just, just be aware. So throttle plate cleaning, fuel system cleaning, spark plugs. When was the last time coolant was replaced, John? Hmm. Um, not sure. Okay. Honda's one of those companies that, you know, they, they, they believe in miracles, They'll, they, they think that coolant lasts on some of their cars 10 years now. So depending upon which coolant this has, I've seen 10-year antifreeze in Hondas. I've seen 5-year antifreeze in Hondas. I think 5 years is enough time. I think, I think enough can happen in 5 years. And, and, you know, knowing what cars cost today, again, I like to err to the side of caution. I put some. I I drain and fill the coolant or do a coolant exchange. When was the last time the trans was uh, serviced? Is this a CVT or is this a standard or, or regular automatic Honda? Do you know? It's an automatic, and I and I have done the transmission last year. Okay, yeah. good. I actually you know. have done it. It's a hundred thousand mile. I've done it twice. All right. So you know, I like to do Honda automatic trans fluid every twenty to twenty five. Um, I don't think you can do it often enough. I still see reports that it's still one of the higher failure rate items uh, on the Hondas. They just, I don't know what it is. I just, they just don't seem to have gotten it. Um, it's gotten better over time, but it's not anywhere near what I think it should be. Um, one of the biggest problems Honda still seems to be having, and I heard this from some Honda techs the other day, is they still can't get piston rings fast enough for some of their V6s and four cylinders that are having oil foul issues uh, starting in 2009 through 10, 11, 12. 13 model year so you know honda's got their issues they're not they're not infallible I, i'm not sure why we all rave about them um and then other than that brake fluid brake fluid needs to be replaced take a look at wiper blades think about rubber components on the car you know at t at, at, at eight nine years with almost a um, hundred thousand miles on it it's time to start doing some maintenance to it and uh, get it ready for winter and don't forget to check the battery appreciate it john good luck to you i'm running eating the car doctor i'll be back right after this don't go away When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Ron Nini, the car doctor, along with Darth and uh, the rest of the gang from Star Wars. So, will it ever be like Star Wars? Well, actually, it is. Um, did you see the article? Different subject. I can't talk about this. People get mad at me. Well, I will. I just... Did anybody see the article on the internet? We're talking about space, and it kind of got my mind thinking, because my mind's kind of off in the space anyway today, um, about they found all these cats mummified in Egypt. No. Yeah. So I was thinking, does that mean that the cats were the first alien invaders because the aliens built the pyramids and those are really the 
it could happen. So let's get. You never know. You never know. So you know, as far as the alien, you know, one of the alien, you know, people keep talking about when the aliens are coming. So I think they're already here. I think I saw a few of them walking around town the other day. Let's uh, go over and talk to Ray from Monticello, New York, 06 Chrysler Pacifica. See what's going on here. Ray, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help? Oh, how's it going there, doctor? Good, sir. What's cooking? Yeah, my problem is uh, my service immobilizer, and all of them start. Okay. Um, was, it, was it good one day and bad the next, Ray? Yeah, it was good one day. The next day, it started for about five seconds. Even the RPM gauge wouldn't move. All right. And then it stalled right out. It hasn't made a sound since. All right. Um, so now if you go and you turn the key, nothing happens, correct? Nothing happens. It's just the dashboard lights up, but uh, okay. other than that, nothing happens. So do you, do you understand what service immobilizer is or what the immobilizer is? No, no. Okay. No, 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 I don't. No, the immobilizer, or the, you know, the immobilizer system in that and other cars of that generation, that company Chrysler, is that it thinks the vehicle is being stolen. It it's not recognizing the key or the action being taken, and so it's putting the car into a no-start event so that it's not stolen. All right. Of course, I don't know who's going to steal an 06 Chrysler at this point in the game, but. You know, here, here, here's the here's the price of electronics from what it was 12 years ago. So this could be an issue with the key, with the way the key is being read. This could be an internal fault in the powertrain control module. This is an electronic or computer problem. Mm-hmm. Normally, have, go ahead. I, well, I have two keys, identical keys. Right, you tried them both and neither one worked. Right. Right. Well, the, and the problem is, it doesn't have the ability. I knew you were going to say that. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have the ability to. You know. Oh, we got the wrong key. Let me try the right key. It. It. It needs a reset in most cases, and it's. It's a lot of times it's involved with a scan tool. Put a scan tool in it, and you know, put it. Put it. Put a scan tool on it. Clear the code. See if the vehicle will start. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. If we were diagnosing this at some point, and here's that conversation. Here's a vehicle that is early stage controlled area network. There's there there is some network impl- implications here that I was talking about in the in, in the opening today, where you know modules speak to one another on a data bus, and uh, you know Chrysler was one of the first ones to do this, and it conti- it's continues to today. Um, at some point in a diagnosis. And I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you if you get desperate, Ray, it's it's worth a shot. Is we do a module reset, disconnect both battery cables, and leave them disconnected. And you know, if someone could uh, leave them disconnected for 15, 20 minutes, um, if if they've got a um, a, uh, uh, a 10 ohm resistor wire. 10 ohm one watt resistor wire and and you know short the battery terminals the cables not the battery short the battery cables together with that to bleed uh-huh. to bleed down all the computers maybe um, module reset is something that does come up in in CAN bus diagnosis uh, we normally do it it's about step seven or eight you know we try not to make it the first step and the reason is because the problem becomes that computers have learning curves they all have they all they all learn um, yeah. you know you disconnect the battery you know in the old days you disconnected the battery what happened you lost the radio station presets right 
Yeah, well, you know, now you're going to lose radio station presets, trans-adaptive, engine-adaptive, and, you know, and that's probably it on an 06, but if you did module disconnect and reset on a 2017 vehicle, oh, good Lord. Um, the amount of the amount of electronics that have to be relearned and reset, it, it could take up to an hour. So, you know, I just sitting here saying it from my seat on radio makes it sound so easy. I'm just trying to explain to everybody listening, you know, somebody in Iowa or somebody in Florida that may have a similar problem, I don't want their rushing out and say, well, Ron says disconnect the battery every time. No, that's not what Ron's saying. Um, Ron's saying that, you know, understand the implications of what it is that happens when you do and why you do it. So, um, well, I, I had it at a, I had it at a couple of shops, and the one shop had it for three weeks and they couldn't get it started. So I had to take it to another shop. The other shop got it started in one day, in one day. But the battery had been off in it. Right. And then when I got it home, it ran all that day. I cut it off with shopping. Cut it back on this thing. And uh, the next day it went out to start it, nothing. So it's an intermittent, intermittently the immobilizer is coming on. So then the first thing that shop should be doing, and maybe they are disconnecting the battery and that's what's making it happen. I'm, I'm hoping that shop comes back to you with, hey, Ray, we scanned it for codes and we got, you know, this. We got a U100 or a U0168 or, you know, we saw a fault in the instrument panel cluster. We saw a fault in the PCM. Because just doing a module reset, it sounds like the module reset worked and will work. But now the question is, what's losing communication along the way, preventing it from happening? You ever? Well, they told me. They told me. The, the, the second shop told me that they, when they had connections to their computer, that they had uh, came up with a crank sensor. Uh, that that something about a crank sensor, you know, had to be. Uh, redone a, a new crank sensor. That's what they said to me. Did they put a new crank sensor in it? No. Okay. And it started for you when you left their shop. Yes. Then I would it ask. On that day. I would. I you know they could have seen a fault code for a crank sensor, but I still don't believe that somewhere along the way. I don't want to start. I don't want to start trying to override a repair shop's diagnosis. Yeah. A, a mobilizer on is plain and simple. It doesn't recognize the key, and it keeps the car from, from, from turning over, from the starter engaging and the PCM from allowing the engine to run. Crank sensor issues could be a separate problem unto itself. Here's, okay. here's, here's, here's how you sort of bring it to a head, Ray, all right? Yeah. And, and then I got to go. Ask the shop that wants to put the crank sensor in it. Can they, can they guarantee that that's going to fix the car? No. Right. They can't guarantee it. Right. Okay. Well, then, you know, tell them to stop guessing. Um, now, they can say, hey, Ray, this is part of the problem. That's a different conversation. But because it doesn't crank over, it doesn't mean a crank sensor is going to fix it. That's, that's, word, that's word assimilation, and we don't want to do that. So um, this may be beyond the local repair shop's depth level, and it may become a dealership repair. I hate to say it like that, but, you know, just, just my two cents. So that's a dealership thing. I believe so. I'm going to think so. All right. And what, what would that be with the computer itself? Uh, it could be a problem. There's a couple of computers here that are common. They did have problems with instrument panels. Believe it or not, the instrument panel in that car mm -hmm. is uh, is technically a computer module. 
They've had problems. It's supposed to be a pamper. It's just a hand because you know, I'm a senior and I'm retired. Yeah, no, I understand. So I can get so it's yeah. a pamper. It's just a habit. You know, and and keep in mind before you spend any real big money on this car, Ray. Yes. It's 12 years old. Parts are becoming scarcer and harder to find than as a senior on a fixed income. You may want to inquire about replacing the car because maybe maybe a monthly payment to have something more reliable and new is better than having something that's going to have this kind of surprise. Because the other thing you've got to look at is, you know, ask somebody to do an evaluation. If the car does... If the car has this many miles on it in this kind of condition, beyond the immobilizer fault, what else could be going wrong with it? Uh, you know, you want to look at the whole picture, all right? It's no spring chicken anymore. It's new to you. It's not new to anybody else because it's 12 going on 13 years old. Likely a lot of the parts aren't available anymore, and you don't want to spend a lot of money on it unless you really have to and you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. Do that. Do the evaluation. Call me back next week if you have any more questions. I'm glad to help, Ray, and uh, I wish you the best. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Back, Ron and the Car Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Glenn in Philadelphia, 03 Nissan Ultima. Glenn, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's going on? Uh, 03 Nissan, the 2.5 liter. I got about 190,000 miles on it. Um, the heat works fine at highway speeds, but when it's uh, idling, it's kind of lukewarm at best. And I took a coat mechanic. Um, they replaced both thermostats, and they said, well, it's still, the problem still exists, and they said I need a water pump, and I just want to get your opinion on that. I don't think I've ever seen a bad water pump on an Ultima Glen. All right. Yeah, uh, there's that, no leakage. There's no noise. Right. Nothing. Right. And you know, it, it, it'd be one thing if it overheated. You know, you'd think about circulation, and, and, you know, the easiest way I would sit and diagnose it. And listen, what I've seen doesn't make it the benchmark for what's wrong with the car. But, you know, if we want to talk about pattern failures and what's common, I'm going to tell you at 190,000 miles, and you won't like this answer. Heater core. I'm going to, no, I'm going to tell you it's a bad head gasket. Yeah, that's, it does. It uses coolant. Okay, it does. Well, we're done. Conversation's over. Um, yeah. You know, and it's... I mean, it, not... You, you never see, excuse me, you never see a puddle nope. under the motor. Nope. You don't smell it, but yeah. I add it in the... Um, yeah, it just slowly loses it. You know, you're tooling around town, and you just, yes. over over time, it's like every couple of weeks you're adding just, you know, a, a couple exactly. of big tablespoons full of coolant, and you're like, where's it all going? Uh, exactly. You know, and that's and that's what they do. They seep, they seep coolant through the head gasket, and it actually pumps enough air because the heater core sits up higher than the radiator, and it puts enough air into the system, and then the system gets airbound. And that's why when it's – and it actually, if you think about it, because the system is airbound, so it shows how good the water pump's working because the water pump at high speed, when the engine's running hard down the road at 60, it's able to push coolant past the air bubble and, and get heat to the core. And then at idle, the water pump's spinning slower, and things slow down a little bit, and the air that's in the system is now creating uh, an air pocket. And it's it's just like baseboard heating in the house, right? In a, in a, in a baseboard house, the system gets airbound, and it, it, it won't – flow coolant and you know you get no heat so you know here you go oh three what are we 14 years old 15 years old hundred ninety thousand miles on it yeah it's it's i'm thinking more more along the lines you've got a head gasket problem i can give you that i can give you the temporary solution which might turn into a permanent one that's a lot less than a head gasket 
Yeah, I know. Go ahead. You recommended. I forget the name. Yeah, I would put some K seal in it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think twice about it. Um, you know, I would definitely put some K seal in it. You can get it at a local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Or if you, I believe it's KSeal.com. They talk about okay. it. You know, the idea with K seal, and this is this would be a classic repair we would do in the shop, where we yeah. would you know put some K seal. Here's a 15 year old car that's got 200 thousand miles on it. Uh, you know, you kind of don't want to take it apart to do a head gasket. Uh, no. You know, it's it's going to be more than the value of the vehicle. Um, you know, see what K seal does for you. It's, it's I, I see I've seen it work. I've seen it work every time I've used it, and I, I hear more good than bad, and I question the bad, how well these guys are using it or in what application. And, you know, people expect it to fill gopher holes, um, you know, but in the case of a seeping head gasket, it works fine. Um, I can't say how do you about it. How do you apply? Do you just pour it into the radiator? Yeah, the directions are right on the bottle, Glenn. Uh, you know, obviously, I I drain the radiator down a little bit because you know you've got to make room for the product to go in. But it's you know drain it down. Um, I believe it's a cold install. Start it up, fill it up, start it up, and uh, drive the car. And I think that's the extent of it. Um, okay. You know, it's, I probably can't do that myself. I mean, would a garage be open to doing that with a product like that? I would think so. I okay. would think so, and you know, um, I would tell you, and in the bottle, in in the radiator, not the overflow bottle. All right. Right. So right. first, first step first. So go Google K Seal, or I believe it's KSeal dot com, and you can read about it okay. and uh, look at some of the testimonials. And um, you know, we use it all the time. Um, I've got I've got bottles of it sitting on the shelf at the shop, and um, we don't do a lot of it. Because we try to do the, you know, we want to do the, I'll call it a complete repair if the economics justify it. But, you know, we're not going to put it in a 10,000-mile, two-year-old car. But, you know, exactly. something like this in the car is probably the train station or the or the beater or the, you know, maybe it's your only set of wheels and you're just trying to get around and survive the economy. Then, yeah, this is a perfect example of it. Um, but I would, I would yeah. surely try that before I started throwing water pumps at cars that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't make sense when you said water pump because yeah. it had no symptoms. Right. It just sounded funny. Yeah, one clue. Don't give him the K-Seal to put it in. He won't understand what the radio <laughs> is. So, um, <laughs> That's my you know, so. All right, sir. Hey, can I get one more real quick? Sure, two for a nickel. Go. Okay. Um, used maybe mid-size SUVs. What do you like? Maybe 2011, 2012, something like that, mid-size ones. Um, tell you what, let me pull over and take the pause, and when I come back, I'll have an answer for you. I want to think about that for a couple of minutes. Don't go away. I'm running any of the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Running any of the car doctor. Let's back to Glenn and Philly. Glenn, we were talking before the pause there about the uh, mid-sized 2011 vintage era SUV. That's right, right? Correct. Um, what do you think about the Ford Escape? Um, I actually, I'm a tall guy, and okay. it's just a little tight. As All right. far as room, so, so yeah, I ruled that one out. So, so what do you need to fit in uh, Chevy Equinox? Probably too small for you too, then, right? No, actually, I was going to ask you about that because I was in one and I did have room in that. I don't know. That's yeah, I don't know anything about the car, the reliability or anything like that. That's what I want to find out. Um, the reliability's good. It just, but I got to tell you, eleven. I'd probably shoot more for a thirteen. If I could, that's fine. Just just something a little newer, but the 13s, the 14s, I like the Equinoxes. The uh, the tens, elevens, and twelves. They had some piston and ring issues. They were right there with Honda. It seems like they all caught the same disease. Um, <laughs> you know, and they got better in time. But uh, I like the Equinox. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I like the Toyota stuff. Although, you know, I, I kind of put Ford, GM, and Toyota all in the same all in the same pile there. Um, you, you know, nothing at Nissan catches my mind. You know, yeah. um, you know, maybe the Traverse, but that's, the Traverse is just, I think, going to be too big for you. 
you know, yes. if, if it's in the budget, I still like the Explorer, the Ford Explorer. I think that's a solid vehicle. I think it's probably one of the more underrated SUVs out there that a lot of people what overlook. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what? What year Explorer? Oh, 12, 13, 14, you know, okay. somewhere in that area. Um, try and stay away from the turbos if you can on those models, but, uh, you know, better with the regular V6s, but uh, you should be fine. Happy motoring, Glenn, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.